The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to have you in on a Tuesday. It's Hale Bar City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr in. And we are loaded up. Going to spend some time with Mitch Sherman here in about 20 minutes. Oh, Andy Staples and Mitch, man. The uh, Super League discussion yesterday. The dust has settled. The food fight began and the hate poured on social media. Towards Nebraska, I have a thought on the Super League 24 hours later. We spent a lot of time on volleyball as Nebraska's match was ongoing, and uh, they fell to Texas. We will dive into volleyball, football, and, of course, some basketball additions on Nebraska's roster. Jacob Padilla in Hour 2, and then we'll dive into some uh, football thoughts with the coach, Rick Kaczynski, going to join us, Kaz. Uh, will not be bashful, I don't think, here on this Super League discussion. You can join us. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-4663776-800-825-5865. Email chris at hailvarsity.com. Follow us. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Or at Damon Barr, that's two R's, where you find him on Twitter. So what means more to you as a college football fan? When we talk about this this Super League here, why not follow soccer? Why not follow the Premier League? The worst team gets kicked out. Got to scrap and claw your way back in. Listen, it's, it's cool. I love it. And it's pretty SEC heavy. So what matters to you as a football fan? Do you take into account what you've done in the past and your history? It should count for something being good for 50 years. Or are you all about recency and relevancy? And I'll tell you this, Alabama's been down before. Look at the years following Gene Stallings and leading into Nick Saban. Look at Oklahoma, the John Blake era, the post-Switzer era. Texas really has never been worth a damn, uh, but they had about a seven-year run of quarterbacks, uh, three with Vince and uh, four with McCoy, and they were pretty good. But Texas has always been that, oh, yeah, they're, they're nine and three. A&M. Brother, how many first-round dudes have they put in the league uh, since 88 to now when Sherman was down there? I love Sherman, but they were a 7-5 and five squad with Von Miller or <laughs> Mike Evans, 
or three first-round NFL draft picks. So there's clearly some teams that have underachieved. There's clearly some teams that aren't what they used to be. And there's teams that, guess what? They get recycled because they've been great before. And that's where Nebraska falls in. Tennessee, all right? Philip Fulmer and then post Philip Fulmer. Miami, you look at uh, when Jimmy was there and when Erickson was there and then when Butch got there. They were great again. Bowden to Jimbo. Took Jimbo a while to get rolling and then Jimbo left for oil money. And Washington's been okay, but Oregon's not been Oregon. They're, they're better now with Cristobal, but post Chip Kelly, or at least post Kelly coaching staff, they were dysfunctional for a couple of years. So I ask you this, and in the the simple answer is you need a blend. If we're going to make this Super League, and ESPN came out with their their list this morning, they kind of had three or four of their college football analysts put their their thinking caps on and come up with their top fifteen right now. If you're starting a top fifteen, who would I cut? And I went through the conferences, right? I went through all the Power Five, sorry, Group of Five. But my, my top three squads right now in the Pac-12, SC, Washington, and Oregon. I've left UCLA off because UCLA's not been great since Troy Aikman. Um, Texas and Oklahoma really do it for me in the Big 12. That's it. Sorry, K-State. Sorry, Iowa State. The SEC's just loaded, right? Because Tennessee's been a mess, but they can be good. Georgia, still trying to to recreate what they did three years ago, and that's actually get to a national title game because they've been, on on paper, the most talented team in college football for 100 years, and they have one title thanks to Herschel Walker. Florida's back. They're really good. They're going to be scoring points again now that they got Mullen down there. Bama's Bama. LSU's money. Uh, Auburn. I struggle with Auburn because Auburn's the team – that can rise up and be magic. They had Cam for a title run. Uh, they also were right there against Florida State and fell. And then they just got rid of the guy who would go 8-4, and four, but in the same season he went 8-4 and four and had to scrap for his job. Gus beat Bama, and Gus beat Georgia. Gus Malzahn did. So Auburn's this weird 8-4. and four. They're either boom or bust, right? And two of their wins are, are the wins of the college football season. LSU, there's recency there. But until Saban got there, at best, LSU was a 10-2 and two football team. It, and that was a great year for them. The Big Ten, you got Ohio State, you have Penn State, you have Michigan. And then we got to have a discussion. Does Nebraska still belong in this Super League? You as a Nebraska fan, you're going to lean on history. I'm going to lean on history for Nebraska's argument. I'm going to lean on branding uh, with that history versus the relevancy. You haven't been relevant in college football really since 2014. And you haven't played for a conference title since 2012. You're not that far removed. But Nebraska's in this weird position, this weird spot, like Tennessee, like Miami, like Florida State. Who am I missing? Somebody will pop up. I think you can make an argument for Wisconsin to be in your Super League. 
Uh, I think Clemson's about it out of the ACC. Miami, a lot like Nebraska, and and they've been recently decent. I think Miami won, what, 9, 10, 11 ballgames last year. Uh, Florida State, they fluctuate. Notre Dame, you can hate them all you want, but Notre Dame's been to the college football playoff twice. So what is important to you if you're putting this Super League together? Is it historical importance or is it what you've done recently on the field? And you got to have a mix. It's it's hard to make an argument for Nebraska recently, but based on their history, and again, Andy Field, Andy uh, uh, Staples, not Field, sorry, uh, was, had my ear turned over to ABC News for the uh, Chauvin verdict. Staples said this is his list. He has Bama and Auburn and Clemson and Florida and Georgia and LSU. Out of the Big Ten, you have Michigan and Nebraska and Ohio State and Penn State. Big 12, Oklahoma and Texas. Pac-12, Oregon, SC, and Notre Dame. I think that's money. I think that's a great list. And one Nebraska fan on Twitter, backing Staples, said this. If you're going to make an argument about Nebraska and you want to replace Nebraska in this Super League, do you have more national championships than Nebraska? Do you have more all-time wins than Nebraska? Do you have more conference championships than Nebraska? Not many people can answer that. Does Michigan belong? They're about 8, 9, 10 wins in a normal year, but one split championship Two titles since 1950. Ain't that easy to just print off titles? And it, we weren't, it wasn't that long ago since Clemsoning was a reality, where you start out in the top 10 and you end up 9-4, and four, right? So it, who am I going to cut? And who, who do you replace Nebraska with? Or who do you replace, if we're talking about ESPN's list, with this Super League, what it could look like, and there's different arguments here. It's, it's, have you finished as a runner-up or have you gone to the college football playoff here in the last 20 years? That's fair. That's Adam Rittenberg's take. Uh, when it comes to branding, whether you're good on or off the field or not, are you known? And kids still know Miami. They do. And a lot of that has to do with the, the, the U part one and two. That was helpful. Damon, you're what, 21? 22. 22 now. So, when you think of like wow, bro, wow brands with college football, you know, is Nebraska in the mix for you? Is Miami in the mix for you? Penn State has been great, except they can't beat Ohio State. They're forty-two and eleven in Big Ten play. They've won a Big Ten championship. They've gone to the Rose Bowl. Same with USC. I know they've kind of sucked recently, but they won against said Penn State team. In the Rose Bowl, they've claimed a couple of Pac-12 championships. And I think SC will bounce, will bounce back. I stick with this. If you've been a blue blood, you can find your way back into the realm of of being a, a team in this Super League. Who do we got? We got Chris. Chris, thanks for calling in. Welcome into Hale Varsity. Go ahead. Hey, Schmitty. Um, so I, I don't have a familiarity with the article or anything that you're mm-hmm. referencing. But what does being in the Super Conference what does it get you? What is it, or what does it prevent you from doing? I guess. What's the benefit of being in it? I mean, you're you're amongst the the best of the best. You're the cream of the crop. You're 
you're in this league that can hypothetically command more TV dollars, more cachet. You're you're at the you're at the big person awesome table that we either wanted to be a part of or bribed our way into in high school. Okay, but being left out of that conference does that does that mean you can't win a national championship? I don't th- I don't think you're playing for one. I mean, it's it's the have and the have nots. Okay, so it's if it's I mean just about um, you know the the notoriety and the money and stuff. We, I, I'm not arguing that we don't belong in it. You know, we're probably at, obviously towards the bottom of the list. Mm-hmm. But I just think that if it's you know, and and then my other question would be, what is the um, like is it is the list the list forever or is the list flexible? You know, where they revisit that super conference every five years or ten years and say, you know what, Nebraska, you've got your poop in a groove mm-hmm. the last decade. We're going to take you know Michigan off of the list and put you in the conference. You, you can know, play. I, you can play your way into it. I would believe based on the Premier Soccer League rules, where all right, if you finish last, you're kicked out, and then you got to you got to win your way back in. So. That's a a model that works here, and I know it's been a long time since Nebraska's rock and rolled, but honestly, Texas hasn't blown people away. I know they've been to a BCS Bowl, or sorry, Group of Six Bowl. A&M finally finished in the top five for the first time in a thousand years. Notre Dame's been pretty consistent. Florida State's been down. Auburn is either okay or or fantastic. Florida struggled for quite a while, quite honestly, until Mullen got there. And Michigan's been winning seven to nine games, but they're getting that that magic uh, signature win over the Buckeyes. Their rivals eluded them. And then you know some of the, some of the the ESPN experts have UCLA in as as part of their their group of fifteen, and I just I don't see UCLA UCLA and A and M to me have been two of the bigger underachievers along with Nebraska, and also I'm I'm going to say, you know USC's probably been an underachiever. Okay, I mean. Eight and four, yeah. six and five, seven and five. It just don't cut it with those fan bases, and that's why in Tennessee too. That's why there's been reset fever on all those places. When was the last time that UCLA made a you know a top ten? Not finished the season, but like when was the last time they were even present in the top ten? Nineteen ninety eight. Ninety eight. Cade McDowell. So remember? Yeah. <laughs> Bare, barely, <laughs> but um, so that, I guess my point being, yeah, I don't think UCLA makes the list. USC had a, I mean, a run, albeit slightly illegalized. You know, they had to forfeit some of that stuff. And, but I mean, I they were still a hell of a good program there oh, yeah. for half a decade. Um, so I, I parallel Nebraska a lot with Michigan, mm-hmm. just because the, when we talk about blue bloods and you know history and all that stuff, we we're very you know parallel with that. What's idea. What's more important right now for making the cut, though, is it recency or is it history? If you're putting I, I a list know. together, I mean, I, you got to go recency, don't you? If you're putting, a, if you're, if you're going off of now, but you got to mix in the branding and the, and the wow factor. That's what's going to get a Michigan and a Nebraska in. Uh, it depends on who's, you know, who's, who's making the list and what their thirst is. Because you ask the questions like, who has more conference titles? Who has more national championships? Wins? 
you know, Heisman Trophy, all that stuff, mm-hmm. more than Nebraska. The list isn't very long. It, it's so that not. in itself it, puts us in. I, I, th- I, th- I think you can make a strong argument for Nebraska being in because of what they've done. And if you've done it before, being a blue blood or having that history, it means you can do it again. It's a good chat, Chris. Thanks for the phone call, man. All right. So Chris is a Nebraska fan that says that Nebraska should be in. And there's a lot of folks... 24 hours later, that are still up in arms that Nebraska <laughs> got the nod with Andy Staples. And it, the, 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 the outcry is one of these is not like the others. Hey, good on Nebraska. Uh, you made the cut for the athletic, not so much with ESPN's college football brands. Mitch Sherman, his take on things next. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could... Listen to the radio. Listen. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! We'll put a bow on volleyball and some Husker Hoops news. Jacob Padilla coming up. Rick Kaczynski weighs in on the Super League discussion. We say hi to Mitch Sherman with the Athletic. Add Mitch Sherman on Twitter's where you find him. Mitch, how's your Tuesday? I'm doing all right, Chris. How are you? Good, man. We'll start off with uh, Saturday before we dive into some Super League talk. Uh, Andy Staples, yourself, uh, pretty um, <laughs> social media, wow, uh, right? Uh, but give me a give me a take on on Saturday. What what did you like uh, about Nebraska from what you saw Saturday? I was bundled up in the north end zone, and I was I was impressed with. Uh, I liked the one on one, the wideouts and the corners going at it. And yeah, I thought Adrian looked fast, which was cool. But overall, Mitch, what was the takeaway you had here? Uh, a main takeaway that left you going, okay, this, this, is, uh, this is some more optimism as we head towards fall. Well, if you're looking for optimistic takeaways, then I'd probably start with the receivers. That was the number one thing that impressed me. Um, you know, if you, if you compare where I thought this team was at three weeks ago to what I saw on Saturday in those two and a half hours, uh, the the biggest gap there in a positive direction is the wide receivers and and you know even without Alante Brown available um, you know I think he has a chance to be one of the top six or seven maybe even four receivers when they get into the season if he's if he's healthy and able to recover from the injury that that held him out Saturday even without him. Um, they they looked um, big, athletic, fast, able to win one-on-one battles against uh, a Big Ten secondary. You know, it wasn't always the top defensive backs who were matched in the drills against the guys like Omar Manning and Oliver Martin and Samari Toure, uh, Will Nixon, um, Levi Falk. Um, I thought Baron Miles, the yeah. young walk-on, um, had a couple of moments. Um, I thought Austin Jablonski, the young walk-on out of Lincoln Pius, had a couple of nice moments. There's a lot of talent there, and I understand, um, you know. And I'm still, I'm still, uh, I'm, I'm still somewhat skeptical because of the lack of experience that this group had has. But when you consider where Nebraska was at a year ago with Wandale Robinson. Cade Warner, 
um, and, you know, a bunch of guys who were inexperienced and where they're at now. And, and I should certainly mention Xavier Betts in that, mm-hmm. in that top group too, because he's bigger and he looked good um, in the limited reps that he had. It's a completely different looking group and they have three big wide receivers coming in in the summer too, freshmen in this 2021 class. So um, again, while they haven't done it on the field for Nebraska on Saturdays, there's a lot to like and a lot to work with for Matt Lubick in that offensive, uh, that, 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 uh, that wide receiver group. Mitch Sherman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, find Mitch with The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. So, Mitch, the, the quarterback question, uh, did you see enough from, from the number twos behind Adrian to keep the development train going and hand the keys off to them, God forbid, in the fall, if Adrian can't go every game, all game? Or do you... Do you think, all right, it's time to, to go shopping either in the portal or the JUCO ranks? And, and it, that's that's a tough ask because Adrian's your starter and mm-hmm. it's not an open spot per se. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I know there's still time to determine that for the Nebraska coaching staff, but what do you, what, what do you think of, the, of, uh, of, of Harburg and, and Smothers, I guess, is the, the shorter way to ask? Mm-hmm. Well, there's yeah, there's a lot there. Um, and it's a hard question for sure on whether Nebraska should be looking for a quarterback because if you're looking for a young guy, then you're basically looking to trade one of those two for a young guy. And, and you know, I don't think Nebraska's in that position with Logan Smothers going through his first spring and having been on campus for just barely a year, and then Heinrich Harburg only a couple of months in. You know, these are the guys you invested in and recruited in, unless something's really changed in your evaluation with either one of them. I don't think you want to trade one of those guys for a young quarterback in the portal. And that's probably what you'd be doing if you go out and take a freshman or a sophomore, because I don't think you're going to be able to keep three guys who are that close together in age. One of them is going to, one of the, one of the, the, um, you know, the guys who's here would leave. So that's, I don't believe that's the way that Nebraska will go with this. Um, and if you can find an older guy who maybe wants to be a coach, um, maybe, uh, you know, it would have to be a very specific kind of player who is willing to come in as an older player and be um, that that emergency QB, that that safety valve in case Adrian does get hurt, which has happened in each of his three seasons at Nebraska, especially the first two. Um, that's that's probably a difficult guy to find. Maybe there's somebody out there in the JUCO ranks, but you know, I, I tend to think right now that. Uh, they're going to stand pat with what they've got just because there are not a ton of options in the portal. If things change, then maybe, then maybe, um, maybe they look, uh, I, you know, I was, I was, I was really impressed with Heinrich Harburg and his presence in the pocket. Obviously his arm is legit. Um, I think there's a ton, a ton to, um, you know, like I said, with the receivers, there's a ton to work with there with Harburg and, you know, with Logan Smothers, we didn't get to see all of his strengths Mm -hmm. because, the quarterbacks weren't out there running. Um, the, the, the drills they did was primarily sit in the pocket, and obviously they weren't being hit. So I think he's going to be at his best when he's putting stress on defense with his legs. Um, different, different kind of player than Harburg. Um, you know, doesn't have the same arm strength, um, but he was accurate. <clears throat> Excuse me, he was accurate in a lot of the seven-on-seven stuff that they did. Um, you know, I, I, after after that practice. Uh, you know, I, I can't say for certain one way or the other how I'd feel about him going into a game against the Big Ten defense right now. Um, I, I'm not sold on it, but um, there's there's definitely a lot of time still for him to improve. And 
And, uh, you know, if he is the number two guy going into the season, you know, clearly you want to keep Adrian healthy. Mitch, real quick on the on the running backs. It's it's tough right now if you're Nebraska and, and we got to see what we got to see. But what we did see is guys watching, not running the football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, disappointing not to see Gabe Irvin out there. He's a guy I was really excited to see on Saturday and hoped that we would get to watch him for a couple of hours. I think we could have learned a lot about his readiness and whether it's a legi- it's legitimate to have that expectation that he can play a lot as a true freshman in the fall. So that's that was disappointing. Obviously, they want him to be healthy, and he didn't look to be seriously hurt. So uh, maybe on in in uh, on May first at the spring game, we will have that opportunity to see him run. Um, you know, if you're talking about the guys who were out there, uh, Marvin Scott, uh, Ronald Tompkins, they had, they both had good moments. They shared time with the ones. They're both experienced, although not 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 uh, overly so, just with uh, one year of limited limited action. And, and then Jacques Yant um, that is definitely intriguing. He's a big guy, and like like Travis Fisher said, that the secondary coach said on Monday, he's a problem uh, when 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 he gets the ball in his hand for the defense. So he, uh, he I, you know, I think he's going to cause he's going to he's going to he's a He's a disturbance in that running back room as far as how things work out with the six players on scholarship. He fits somewhere in that group uh, as, as, and probably not as the seventh guy. Mm-hmm. So where, he, where you slot him and how much time he can get on the field next year, you know, that, that's, um, that's a really interesting question to tackle over these next few months. Mitch, want to dive into uh, Andy Staples, a colleague of yours at The Athletic, and um, you had a, a column as well about Nebraska and their spot with this hypothetical uh, and, uh, I guess, controversial placement in Nebraska with the Super League. And Andy included Nebraska. And mm-hmm. you've got the history uh, proponent, the blue blood uh, proponent of Nebraska, uh, more so than the, the recency or the relevancy. But you uh, made a pretty good argument here about Nebraska's past decade and uh, did you expect the blowback uh, on Nebraska that, that happened on social media? Because it's still a storm, man. <laughs> I haven't seen the blowback to anything that I wrote yet. So um. I'm, I'm just talking some of the some of the Andy mentions is what I meant. Yeah, but. right. Andy got a lot of blowback from putting Nebraska in his in his in his uh, Super League 15, and that's understandable. I mean, uh, Nebraska. There's 14 programs there that have accomplished quite a bit in the last. 20 years. I mean, it's arbitrary. You want to say 60 years? Well, then Nebraska's accomplished as much or more than, than just about all of them with, with the exception of like Alabama and maybe Ohio State. But you go 20 years or 10 years, and it, Nebraska's not in the same category. But it's not about that. You know, I think Andy, Andy hit on this. It's, it's about the brand name of these programs and the, uh, the appeal, and there's some geography involved in this uh, slotting. I mean, this is, look, it's a, it's a fantasy thing. I mean, they're, they're not doing this next year maybe someday down the road we'll have this but um you know it was it was just an exercise that was fun to do and you know i I made the case that nebraska deserves to be there just because of the loyalty and the passion that are around the program and you know even even in spite of uh, of everything that's happened in the last 10 years with the lack of success um nebraska continues to be a name that matters in college football and certainly matters within the state of nebraska i don't know that there's a place in the country where you could experience what Nebraska has in the last 10 years and still have the interest level and the, um, you know, the exuberance around the program uh, that, that we have at Nebraska. And, and to me, that's a case right there mm-hmm. to include Nebraska in this, uh, in this conversation. Now, that can't happen forever. 
you know, it can't go on for 20 more years like it has in the last 10 and, and expect to still have the same environment around, around this program. But we do right now, um, you know, fortunately for, uh, for uh, everybody at Memorial Stadium and everybody who is uh, around that program still do have that uh, intense interest and, and passion in Nebraska football. Mitch, I'm going to ask you a tough question here. If, if you had to remove a team not named Nebraska from Andy's list, who would you remove? Um, well, I, I'd be hypocritical of me to say that I'm going to remove Michigan because, uh, you, you know, that would, that would be solely based on uh, a lack of success in the last couple of years. And, and, you know, I made an argument for Nebraska to stay in there. Maybe Auburn. Um, you know, Auburn is, is, uh, is a huge thing in Auburn and in parts of the southeast, but it plays a pretty clearly second fiddle in its own state. Um, so uh, that's a possibility. Um, yeah, I mean, you look around at, at, the, at the, the, the rest of the programs, and most of them are at the top of their game right now, places like Georgia and, and Clemson and, and Bama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, uh, Texas, you know, obviously is going to be included in this list, uh, in, in, even without having great success recently. I think USC is in that same category. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe Oregon, but, but Oregon is, is culturally significant, I would say, so I'd probably go with Auburn. Auburn's weird, just because I look back at, at like Gus's year when they went eight and four before they blew him out, and he beat Georgia and he beat Alabama. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 yet eight and four. And um, I mean, the thing with Auburn is they're always going to have, or you know, at least in this current in this time we live in, Auburn is going to have great athletes. Yeah, because they there there are a ton of them within a short mm-hmm. distance of their campus, so they're going to find their way. Um, to the to uh, to that stadium, and uh, you know it's going to make them dangerous against programs like uh, like Georgia and Alabama and, and LSU, uh, no matter what. Mitch Sherman with us. Mitch, fun chat today. Thanks for taking time. Okay, thanks, Chris. Take care. We're here when you want us. Stay connected and listen anywhere when you download the free iHeartRadio app. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good discussion with Mitch Sherman on the Super League. We'll get back to that in a little bit here. Coach Rick Kaczynski, he'll weigh in on uh, just where Nebraska's at, what they can do. And uh, you heard the criteria, brand, name, appeal, geography. That was all part of the criteria with Andy Staples' exercise and Mitch's take, and really good story from Mitch on The Athletic at Mitch Sherman, was despite being down, the support's been, well, as consistent as Nebraska football seasons have been for the majority of the last five decades. Now, you go back to some numbers here, 2011 to 2021, you've got, as I counted up here, you've got nine or ten win seasons from 2011 through 2014, a six and seven and 15, and a nine and four and 16. And uh, you're trying to get back to that uh, 500 number here in year four if you're Nebraska. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Recency, relevancy, and history 
all kind of combining here. So what is done is Nike and Kobe Bryant and Kobe Bryant's estate ending an 18-year partnership with Nike. Uh, Vanessa Bryant announcing that Kobe Bryant was an important part of Nike's deep connection to consumers. He pushed us and made us around everyone, everyone around him better. Nike said in a statement, through our contractual relationship has ended. He remains deeply loved and a member of the Nike family. In 03, Bryant left Adidas, became one of the most sought-after free agents in modern sports. And the, uh, the swingman for the Lakers signed with Nike, had 11 signature shoes. And after retired in, retiring in 2016, uh, Kobe re-signed with Nike, a five-year extension. So the contract expired April 13th, and she wants uh, fans to be able to get and wear Kobe's shoes. After his death last year, resellers drove up the price of Kobe's signature shoes and flocked to Nike's limited releases of his sneakers, a common practice, and that frustrated many basketball fans. And uh, Kobe and Nike have made some of the most beautiful basketball shoes of all time, Worn and adored by fans and athletes. This was Vanessa Bryan on Instagram. She wrote, it seems fitting that more NBA players wear my husband's product than any other shoe. My hope will always be to allow Kobe's fans to get and wear his products. I will continue to fight for that. Kobe's products sell out in seconds. That's, that says everything. So we'll see. Do you, If you're Adidas, do you come back? To the Bryant family and say, hey, let's uh, let's do this like we once did it and started out. I've never had a pair of Kobe's. I know folks who have Kobe's and they swear by them. All the talent that was on the hardwood the last X number of years covering high school basketball. There's a lot of dudes who wear Kobe's and... Uh, the, uh, the, the the green Christmas Grinch was a favorite of some of the best players in the state. I don't know. Damon, you ever rocked Kobe's? You ever had a pair of them? No, unfortunately. I was never into the, the basketball sneakers kind of thing until I uh, got older, started playing like actual basketball. Right, so what do you wear for pickup? I, I have some Kyrie's that I picked up. Some my kid uh, wears, yeah. Yeah, they're pretty good. The thing that y- you can't have, and the shoes I had, we had, I had the Barclays, the 180s, the Air Maestros, and the, you got to go way, way, way back. But they were super light. Pippen wore them. And then he always had the kid or two on your team that would wear the Jordans, the newest pair of Jordans that were sweet. But, yeah, I mean, I, I've had zero complaints from people. Junior went through the KD phase. He'd always get the new KDs. But what you can have is, is shoes that are so heavy they're like ski boots. And I think that's one thing about the Kobe's is not only were they good. Kobe wasn't a big high top guy either. He's kind of a mid quarter or low top. So uh, that's that that was an option. So let's talk a little bit here about recruiting for Nebraska. And we kind of turn our attention towards visits. And we have some some camp info officially released here uh, from Nebraska which is good, and this will kind of help set the scene. So the summer camp registration, you're going to have youth camps on May 26th, Friday Night Lights, June 4th. A um, camp 
on June 5th, 7th and 8th grade, Camp June 9th, also an indie camp and specialist camp June 11th, and then more of a youth camp on the 13th. So Friday Night Lights Part 2 is going to be June 18th, and then the Adidas Offensive and Defensive Line Pipeline Camp will be June 19th. So that will be uh, pretty nice. What's happening with Nebraska from a visit standpoint? Well, uh, our old buddy Popeye, the outside linebacker out of Indiana, I believe is going to make his college announcement uh, around or on May 1st. And in doing so, that will mean he will not have had a chance to visit Lincoln. And it sounds like Louisville is the team to beat for that man. But he's a guy Nebraska really liked at outside linebacker. That's one spot. Nebraska also continuing to to get plenty of input from from guys that are excited to get here. That's so key. And now that once you get past the the end of May and June opens up, you're going to have a slew of guys you want for 2022 and 2023. So the Williams part, though, is is tough because we think about Nebraska right now and, and what do you have at outside linebacker? You have Tanner, you have JoJo, uh, you have Feldarius Payne, and, and Feldarius can put his hand in the dirt. But you're waiting on that guy that can get loose as a pass rusher off the edge to get to the quarterback and still be decent in coverage. And Nebraska's still been searching. And, and you got Jamari Butler, Blaze Gutterson. You have guys that are in the program, but they're just not probably ready to, to, to pop quite yet. And to the, in fairness to them, they've not had... This is their first spring to to develop and, and get better. He didn't have that last year. And I know there were some nagging injuries with those guys. They were dealing with that. So we'll see if Nebraska can, can land that it guy off the edge, and we'll see if some of the guys that are currently on the roster can become those it guys. We know what JoJo Doman's done as the Swiss Army guy that can cover, that can rush, that can get TFLs. But you really need a Tanner, uh, Garrett Nelson's high motor guy, but he's not a young guy, as you heard Coach Dawson talk about yesterday. So find somebody, right, to get after the pass, uh, the quarterback, and, and affect the passing game. We'll wind down Hour 1, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. So we need you to announce the fact that trucks and bucks. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. What final time this hour? Jacob Padilla going to talk some volleyball, football, and Husker hoops with us next hour. Rick Kaczynski joins us Tuesdays with Kaz. This coming down here from Football Scoop and Youngstown State hit with NCAA violations from the Bo Pelini era. So Youngstown had been slapped with a failure to monitor penalty. The Penguins football program for a pair of violations that are... Uh, 
as the writer puts here, at least forgivable and confounding. First, the forgivable one. Youngstown State, they had an assistant, had 41 impermissible contacts with a transfer recruit. The recruit in question played Division II football at the time and informed his Youngstown State contact. He was in the transfer portal and thus legal for U.S. or uh, YSU to recruit. The problem is Division II has no transfer portal. So there's that. Uh, Youngstown State needed written permission from the unnamed D2 school to recruit the transfer. And as a result, each of the contacts that occurred over the course of the players' unofficial and official visits were impermissible. The other, former head coach Bo Pelini and two unnamed assistants, had 16 impermissible contacts with recruits and uh, conducted impermissible evaluations of two prospects the NCAA's found. The contacts were impermissible because the three coaches in question did not pass their NCAA-mandated recruiting certification test for the 2019-2020 academic year, though the school has sent multiple email reminders to the coaches who had not passed the required certification. Uh, Coach Bo was not identified by name in the announcement, but the release said the Youngstown, that Youngstown State discovered the violations when the now former football coach was hired by another school in 2020. Uh, Bo out of coaching, of course, three-year contract, uh, was bought out by LSU. So here's what's going to happen with Youngstown. $5,000 fine, two years probation, a reduction of three official visits for 2021-2022, a two-week ban on unofficial visits, and a two-week ban on all recruiting communication, a reduction of the uh, three evaluation days. And the assistant coach who impermissibly recruited the D2 player was suspended from all coaching for three preseason days and served a two-week recruiting suspension in February. Youngstown went 1-6 and six, uh, this spring under first-year head coach Doug Phillips. So there's that. Mm. Do you uh, know about this? Sounds like when I, uh, it sounds like, uh, yeah, I emailed you about that uh, that assignment. Ah. Uh, you, where is it? I'm like, oh, I'll get to it. I'll, I'll get to it. Oh, I, I got it right here. I, yeah, it, it's, it's on it's, the back burner. Hold on, hold on. Oh, we, we got it. We got it. T- Here's the thing, though. Like, go out and bust bag men. The, the impermissible contact, I know it's like not right, but now if... And I listen. You got to know the rules. If if there's no Division Two transfer portal, well, oops, <laughs> can't be forty-one times. That's it's like Ferris Bueller and nine absences during the third quarter of his spring senior year semester. Oops, plenty to get into with Jacob Padilla. What's uh, the new name on the uh, Husker locker room going to do? The transfer in out of DePaul. Husker volleyball wrap-up. Football thoughts. Hour two on the way. Coach Kaz coming up as well. 
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. Give us a follow. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Damon Barr. That's two R's. We welcome in with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, Jacob Padilla. Uh, incredible coverage of volleyball, basketball, Husker football. He does it all in high school basketball, of course, at Jacob Padilla underscore on Twitter. Jacob, how's your Tuesday? What's going on, man? Uh, pretty good. Um, not doing a whole lot. Just uh, kind of working towards. Uh, we got the magazine coming out here, um, so kind of in the, the finishing touches on that. So going through some copy editing today. What uh, What are we going to be able to read from you in this uh, this month's edition? I don't really have much in this one. Um, we kind of. Um, I'll have something coming in the next issue. I did little hot reads section on uh, Sam Hoiberg. Uh, getting to uh, play with his dad but um but yeah look, look for uh, more for me on kind of volleyball wrap-up uh mm-hmm. um thing in our uh, next month's issue but for this month we've got some other people working on some really cool uh features that'll take front uh take center stage here that's awesome jacob Padilla with us here at hail varsity so uh, a thought as nebraska fought hard against Texas yesterday, and the match kind of ended about uh, as hour two for us started. And uh, just too much Texas. They were so physical. They were so good at the net, and I'm not even close to as locked in on volleyball, just knowing it like you you know it, like Brandon knows it, Vogel. But what was your takeaway? Going into the match, did you think it would be a tough hill for Nebraska to climb how did you feel uh, before the match, and, and what's your takeaway this season with the Big Red and Coach Cook's crew? Yeah, um, going into the tournament, um, there was just kind of a, a feeling of the unknown, and um, I think John Cook kind of mentioned that at the end, too. Like um, This team made it just as far as last year's team, kind of bowed out of the tournament in the same round, but he did feel like the team improved this year. The, the problem was they just got so few matches to really kind of fine-tune and iron those things out and really establish themselves and prove to themselves what they could really do. I mean, you only, you only play, they only played two ranked teams during the regular season. You had the two matches against Minnesota early in the season um, and then the two matches against Ohio State um, kind of later on. And then right after that, you had uh, um, kind of the break coming up um, soon after you, you played one or two more. Um, series, and then you went on that three three week break almost before the tournament started. So uh, Nebraska, I think, never really got a chance to get truly battle tested um, and put together enough matches to really kind of find themselves and um, battle through um, s- some rough top spots and kind of learn from advers- adversity and that type of thing. So they ran into a really good team and weren't quite ready to handle it. I just I, I thought the passing in particular. Um, the, Texas just outpassed them by far. Um, they, man, I thought Nebraska had some really good serves that, and some really good attacks. And Texas, every time, was able to um, crowd and put it right on the money to, to get back in the system and to get the ball to their big hitters. And 
uh, Nebraska just um, you just kind of look at the distribution of the sets and who did what. Um, they just were kind of Nick and Haynes was running all over the court just trying to keep the ball alive, and she had uh, 13 digs tied for the team high, so they were she was getting targeted a lot, and um, on a lot of, a lot of points wasn't even getting to set, and they were having to to go out of system. So um, it was kind of a disappointing end. You didn't really get to see it. And then, obviously, Lauren Stiverns, too, kind of, she got it out. I don't think she was at 100%. Um, and that's a huge part of your team right there. You only got 14 sets coming her way. Um, she got seven kills on those 14 sets. So she was effective um, when she got a chance. But um, kind of a dif- disappointing way to see it end. But um, I th- they did take some strides forward this season. Thing we we don't know, and, and Coach Cook in Nebraska is so aggressive with their scheduling. You're going to get matches against Penn State. You're going to get matches against Wisconsin. You're going to see Purdue. I mean, you're going to get all of those in a typical year. Didn't happen this year uh, due to COVID. And then with Nebraska, they're going to measure themselves early in the season, Jacob, against a Texas or a Florida or somebody, right, or an SC or a BYU. Yeah. I mean. Nebraska always schedules big time hard, and then they either win those or they'll they'll adjust for the NCAA tournament later in the year based on those initial non conference showdowns. And you know what, Nebraska didn't get that opportunity this year. Overall, uh, what was the level of frustration? Did you feel that at all from Nebraska, from staff or players? just with how this thing went in Omaha? Uh, a little bit, I guess, but... Um, it's not a I reason. Say, I'm just saying overall the, the, yeah. the production uh, of, of this year's NCAA tournament, a lot's been talked about about uh, with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, John Cook hasn't been shy about um, kind of making his uh, feelings known about how the NCAA tournament, the event handlers, everybody involved kind of ran things this year, wasn't quite happy about it. Um, even, and that's not something that you can control, but kind of even the false positives on the day, on, on game day. Like that's, I, I can't imagine um, working all season to get to this point and then you wake up and go test and you hear back, hey, you tested positive and we got to confirm this. Um, that's just got to be an agonizing feeling. Mm. And even though that they were, were cleared in time for the match, it's just, I can't imagine kind of the, the, w- what that does to your psyche and um, your mentality. And um, I, I don't, not saying that had a huge impact on uh, the way that the match played out, but it's just kind of another unfortunate part of how the season has played out that they were happy they got to play it. Um, but, I mean, you, you can be grateful for the opportunity you got while also being disappointed and feeling sad about what you missed out on. And they played 19 matches total this season, and that's less than they played just in a conference in a normal year, let alone tournament um, plus non-conference. I mean, they played basically half the matches that they normally play this year. Um, so it's tougher. you, you got few, fewer matches to um, especially for the seniors, to, for this group to play together. Um, you, you got fewer chances to prove yourself, to improve. Um, they had all the starts and stoppages this year. Um, so it's just a really tough year. And Cook, Cook praised uh, his team for how well they handled all that. Um, and he said he himself uh, didn't handle it nearly as well. So um, credit to Nebraska for 
um, kind of persevering through everything this season. And um, it's disappointing to be down, but they were one of the final eight teams playing this year. Um, so um, still an accomplishment. Jacob, what's next year? What could next year look like for this squad? <laughs> that's that's a big question, and that's kind of what they're going to start this year. Obviously, you've got um, the seniors um, have decisions to make. There are four of them on this team. Um, Lauren Stiverens, uh, she's been in college for five years because um, she redshirted her first year in Lincoln. Um, would she really want to come back for a sixth year? That's something she's going to have to decide. Obviously, you get her back that makes a massive difference because she's the best player on the team. Um, Lexi Sun is the only one of the seniors that doesn't have a championship. And going out hitting zeros against her former team, I can't imagine um, that's, that's a great feeling to go out on. Um, so maybe maybe she considers coming back. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she um, is just ready to move on. Um, and that's something that, that you can't really know about any seniors that are facing this choice without being around them and getting a chance to talk to them kind of away from um, the cameras and everything, just about where they're at in their life. Um, because, yeah, everybody, yeah, it sounds like great to have another year, but that also that's another year of school. That's another year where you're pushing off um, whether you, you want to pursue professional opportunities within your sport or whether you're ready to just go get uh, an, a regular job and, move on to the next part of your life and be done with school. So um, that's there's still a lot to be determined there. But Cooks did say um, any of the seniors that want to come back, they will be able to honor those scholarships and um, while also bringing in um, the very highly touted 2021 recruiting class. That's six players added to the team heading into next year. And, man, uh, we'll, we'll see how quickly those players are ready to compete. Um <laughs> I have a hard time not seeing uh, Lindsey Krause on, on the court next year, for example. Um, uh, so this team is going to have a chance to look quite a bit different with who they're potentially losing and who they're adding. But I think the competition will um, will produce some pretty good results in terms of whoever's going to be out there playing and really going to have earned it. Jacob Adilla is with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, talking Oscar Volleyball, putting a wrap on the season. Jacob, uh, switching gears to hoops. Isaac Trout, an official visit uh, in Lincoln with Coach Hoiberg and the crew uh, June 4th through the 6th. Uh, This is huge. I know Sparty just offered him. I know Carolina's offered him. But everybody's offered Isaac. You get to see him play, and you've been been keeping an eye on him. Uh, What's your reaction to Nebraska getting an official visit on Trout? Uh, It's definitely big. Um, You definitely prefer to get one than not. Um, And um, interesting that um, Nebraska is choosing to use it now um, and kind of make that push now. To, I, I think they, they're sensing that um, that obviously more schools are starting to dive in, some of the, the blue bloods. So they want to kind of reach out and try to build that um, build that relationship in person and show him what Nebraska has to offer right now. Um, and so he kind of has that in his mind as he goes through the rest of his recruitment. Um, so um, that's a good move for them. Um, we'll see. Um, kind of, he obviously has a couple other official plan. He's going to go check out Crane officially on the first day of um, the the dead period ending. Um, so he he's going to have no shortage of, uh, of suitors, and I I'd be surprised if we don't see 
a, a few others of the the biggest programs in the country kind of throwing their hat into into the ring before it's said and done. But I think Fred Hoiberg's tried to do tried to build a good relationship with Isaac and um, kind of make that more of a um, personal thing between him and Isaac versus just having kind of Matt Abdelmasi run everything mm-hmm. on, on that front um, as kind of the, the recruiting ace on on the staff. So um, he's kind of, I think, trying to sell the, his vision for how he wants to play and the way that Isaac fits into that. And I know back um, when they offered and when they went through the Zooms, that was a lot of, it was kind of film talk and going mm-hmm. through and showing, hey, here's how I can use your, your skill set. And here's how good of a, uh, of a fit you are for what we want to do. Um, so uh, they're gonna they're gonna do everything they can to 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 stay in this race. And I think Isaac's um, gonna really strongly consider um, a, a lot of the these programs that are showing interest in him. As far as visits, Nebraska, Creighton, and anyone else. Uh, yeah, Virginia, I believe. I'm trying to remember now. Um, I think he's got one set to Virginia, and I forgot the other one. Um, but I think Oklahoma he's got three or... set. Uh, it, yeah, it might be Oklahoma. Um, I, I, yeah, Virginia and Oklahoma for sure are two of the, the the programs that I would expect to like. If he whenever he cuts down a list, mm-hmm. I'm guessing those two will probably be in it. Um, guessing Creighton and Nebraska will probably be in it. Um, Michigan State probably be in that. That's probably. Uh, um, I think a, a good group of schools right now that uh, are recruiting him hard that um, I think he's probably interested in. Jacob Bedell is with us talking some Husker hoops and Isaac Trout uh, going to be finding his way to Lincoln for an official visit first part of June. So, Jacob, a thought on Keon Edwards, six seven, good-sized dude, high-level recruit, transfer from DePaul. What's Nebraska getting in your opinion? Yeah, um, he's a guy that was – uh, highly rated before choosing to reclassify shortly uh, before the season started. Um, and he joined DePaul and didn't, I mean, a uh, kid that should have been a uh, senior in high school suddenly um, just drops into a, a basketball program right as the season starts. Uh, not hard to see why it would be difficult for him to kind of crack that rotation and find a find an opportunity and ended up only playing five games, but, um, that's still a full year in a Division One program with strength and conditioning and skill work and all that 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 he was able to experience this year. So um, he's coming into Nebraska as uh, a freshman with a little bit extra experience than you typically get. Um, so he's six seven, uh, one eighty five. So um, he's he's long, um, long and lean. Um, can shoot a little bit. I think uh, they're going to play him. A uh, little bit on the wing, and then he's, he'll have that versatility to kind of do a lot of switching with um, where they, with whoever they end up playing the two, three, four. Uh, I think they'll have a lot of versatility there, um, and that's kind of what they're looking for: is a guy that can play multiple positions, that can do multiple things as far as putting on the deck, getting to the rim, knocking down shots. Um, so he's a young guy; he's uh, still got some developing to do, but um, I'm sure they they really like his upside. Jacob, about 30 seconds. Do you think Nebraska goes out point guard hunting, or do you think they settle with what they have and develop that? Yeah, I think they have been point guard hunting. I don't think that they found somebody that's uh, the perfect fit that they've been able to get to commit. Um, so they still do have one more roster. And one thing we've learned from this team is if, if they've got spots to offer, and sometimes even when they don't, 
they're going to keep recruiting. So I think they'll be out there. They'll kind of keep their eyes on what's there. And if they can get somebody that they think makes a difference, then they're going to go after him. But at, at this point, um, I, I think it's more likely they enter the season kind of just where we're at with um, Trey McGowan's continuing to develop into the point guard, considering that's what he said he came to Nebraska to be. You've got Kobe um, Webster coming back for another year as kind of the steady presence. And then Delano Banton continuing to progress as a playmaker and hopefully getting back to what he was before the, the pandemic shutdown the team went through. Um, so that's kind of what we're looking at now. Um, and if, if something changes, um, I, I wouldn't be shocked, but uh, I think it's more likely that they stand pat. Jacob Badillo is with us. Jacob, have a great rest of your week. Thanks for the input today. Yeah, anytime. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back into it at Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some football with Coach Kaz. Rick Kaczynski back with us. You know, at Nebraska and at Iowa. Kaz, how's that, that Camaro going, man? How's how's the ride? Just just crawling from back underneath the Schmitty. So, got uh, finally got some nice cruising weather. I had my uh, had my buddy over at Royson's Garage here uh, put a tune on it. So, uh, getting ready uh, getting ready to roll. So, uh, look like an old looking like an old greaser what, what just are, traveling the streets of Columbia <laughs> by myself. What are, what are you? Uh, <laughs> what year is it? Give folks uh, a little look see into the muscle. It's a '67 uh, Camaro RS convertible. So um, it's uh, a black car with they call it parchment interior, black top, and it's it's hot rodded. I, uh, ironically, there's a company in Nebraska called Blueprint Engines. It's got a uh, Blueprint engine in it, um, 350 hopped up uh, hopped up Chevy motor, and uh, you know I'm not I'm not real good driving real slow so uh but it's fun fun little toy yeah a little vice so i could i could have worse habits that's for sure so the thing is to know where all the uh, the old speed traps are at bandit <laughs> yeah you know i'm just trying to look cool even though nobody cares about old cars anymore but uh you know the you know the drill it's uh something i grew up with so it's it's cool it's fun and uh nice to kind of tinker with every once in a while keeps you keeps you busy man that's awesome. Rick Kaczynski's with us, uh, getting ready for a roadie in the uh, Camaro, the 67. Uh, interested to get your thoughts here. Uh, Nebraska had their, their open spring practice last Saturday, and it was really cool to go check out the team for a couple of hours. And a lot of guys were, were in sweats on the sidelines, so that was that. But uh, got, a, got a glimpse at some of the quarterbacks and uh, didn't see a ton of uh, hitting but the the one on one stuff was was fun. I wanted to to get your take on the Big Ten West and specifically, you've had some some staffs there for a while. One you you worked for with Iowa, obviously, and you know on a week to week basis, game in game out, it was man, it was it was impressive uh, with the win totals you guys had at Nebraska. And are there staffs that that really challenged you? Uh, made you really put the elbow grease in, so to speak. And I know week in, week out, you guys prepped and, and game planned and got the kids ready. 
but between a Northwestern or an Iowa, any staffs or even some East, uh, you know, Eastern division foes. I mean, uh, what what comes to your mind here as far as when it comes to prep and week in, week out for a Big Ten opponent? Well, Smitty, I mean, anytime you're in, once you get into conference play, it always, uh, always stepped it up a notch. So you had to, you know, kind of retool your focus coming out of your independent games and really, really not knowing where you are even. You, you know, you can play two, three games outside the conference and you really don't know what kind of team you have. And so you get a couple of those Big Ten games under your belt. Oh, they are all a challenge especially on the road, but the, the staff that uh, you really respected and had a bunch of experience on and just were always thorns in the side. And, you know, Northwestern was always, always, always tough to prepare for. Um, you know, Wisconsin, when, when Brett was there and, you know, uh, Paul was the, was the coordinator. They, and, uh, and they just, uh, you, know, you, you knew what they were going to do. Um, you, you knew how to plan for it. And it was just a matter of getting your guys ready for it, but uh, it sounds sounds a lot easier said than done. But uh, you know, everybody always had a little bit of a wrinkle, and you always it always seems to uh, a wrinkle always seemed to come up at a critical critical time, and and one of that four or five plays that was critical in the outcome of the game. But you know, all those staffs. I mean, you just look at it, and, and I think if you go back to you know, 2009, 10, 11, 12, those years, you look at some of the talent on the field and the sidelines in the Big Ten. It's just absolutely impressive from the quarterbacks that came through Ohio State and Urban and Trestle. Um, and then, you know, you got Fickle now, who's, you know, probably the hottest coach in mm-hmm. college football. And, you know, uh, Braxton Miller was the, was the backup in Lincoln in 2000. 2011 and that nobody nobody heard of and you know after that 2011 game probably wanted to see him another two or three more years uh, but uh, we weren't taking into account how much how much better he would get mm-hmm. you know Michigan State with D'Antonio the the only good thing that that happened for uh, for the staffs I were on is you, you had some some teams that were always transitioning you know you the Michigan is the Illinois, the the Minnesotas, where they weren't able during that period to to establish. It was kind of revolving door, new head coaches, new coordinators. So those are the teams. Obviously, prepared the same. You, there's no easy wins, but you knew playing against Pat at Northwestern and Brett and D'Antonio. You know, you knew it just was going to be a slugfest. I mean, if you look at those Big Ten scores during that, it, it was there were rare, rare, rare blowouts. A lot of those games were field goal, six, seven point games, and it came down to uh, came down to the final possession. So it was uh, it was a heck of a league. But to answer your question, Schmitty, I mean, just uh, this probably the same teams you respect now. I mean, you look at Wisconsin, you look at uh, obviously what Kirk's done at Iowa, the consistency there, and I mean, and that's what's tough in a conference and in conference play and in a physical conference. And and I think that's what Nebraska fans want to see. You know, you want to see that consistency and you see that consistency. And then, you know, then then you take that next step of, of, of kind of getting over that hump, you know, taking, taking that next step to getting to where not just a bowl game um, to, you know, winning those big games, winning those games that matter and playing for something in November and, 
you know, I was very fortunate to, to coach for some good head coaches at some great, play, great places, great programs where we were, we were playing for something every November. And that, that's what you want to get to. And, and uh, it's a challenge in the Big Ten, but that's what makes college football, that's what makes that conference so great. You know, offensively for, for Northwestern, they, they always find a way to score enough points. And I know Hankowitz just retired. But defensively, they had guys, and they'll have a couple of first-rounders this year. But Northwestern, from a defensive perspective, it seems like they always ran those damn crossing routes. They'd pick off a linebacker, and somebody'd get open on third and nine. Not, and I'm not knocking Nebraska. I'm saying they'd do that to the tune of eight, nine, seven, eight, nine wins a year against everybody. I mean, they, oh, yeah. they had really good concepts offensively, it felt like. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, they got they got smart coaches, but uh, on on both sides of the ball. But if you look at North Northwestern, they they won football games with good defenses and, and not not beating themselves. You know, they made you they made you earn everything on on each side of the ball. You know, it's crossing routes and all that. And I think if you if you talk to Pat, you talk to a lot of coaches in the Big Ten. You know, Bo was a pattern match guy. Phil Parker is a pattern match guy. That's what you have to do. If you're playing man against those teams, running those rub routes, I mean, Northwestern, that's what they want to see. They want to see. They don't want to see pattern match because uh, then their quarterback has to go in, in, you know, number two, number three reads and, um, you know, it takes a little bit longer to get rid of that football. Um, but, you know, what we did with Bo with the pattern match and Phil, what Phil does with pattern match, and, you, you know, it might look like a two-shell and it might look like quarters coverage, but on the snap, you're, you're getting split coverages. You're getting all kind of different things that make it really hard for the quarterback to know where to go with the football. And then if you got a, if you can get a pass rush with four, that's how you're going to win. That is how you're going to win in the, in the Big Ten. But if you look at the the history of the Big Ten, just since Nebraska's been in there, the teams that win football games play good football, play good defense. They don't beat themselves. They don't turn the football over. And they can run the ball. And you look at Northwestern and their staff, they're not going to get four stars, five stars, whatever that means. Uh, They're going to get good football players that they're going to develop. You know what? And they're going to go, you know, they might go four and eight, Schmitty. They might go six and six. They might go seven and five. And then when those guys get in that program, year three, year four, those fifth-year guys, I mean, how many times have you watched a Northwestern game and said, is that, that guy still there? Like, it, it's like their line – what's that linebacker's name there, Patty Fisher? I swear he was playing there when I was at Notre Dame like 22 years ago. I'm like, yeah, him and Zebby Lethridge, <laughs> like 80-year you know, enrollees, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just seems like they have these guys um, – you know, these core guys, like, you you know these guys. They're not flashy. They're not first-round picks. They're great, great football players, right? And they're sound and they're tough. And, and I've told people this, and, and obviously I am biased because that's the conference I coached in, mm-hmm. but there is not a better coach conference in the country. Not a better coach conference in the country than the, than the Big Ten. I mean, it's there's some smart fundamental and sound football players because quite frankly 
those coaches are winning, winning a lot of football games with the exception of Ohio State and, you know, Penn State here and there. And, and there's a lot of guys winning a lot of football games that a lot of SEC schools and a lot of ACC schools wouldn't, wouldn't recruit at all. So, um, you know, it's really a credit to, uh, to that conference. Um, for uh, for the staff they have, but there's there's no once you get I don't care what conference you're in, you, as soon as you get into conference play, it, you step it up a notch. It means a little bit more. There's more on there's more on the line, and uh, you know you you come out you 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 expend a little bit more energy, uh, a little bit more mental strain. There's just a little bit more grind, and that's the tough part, man, of, of getting these kids to show up week in week in and week out and playing with that consistency. So, so critical in the Big Ten, that consistency factor. Well, it's it's the mental strain, it's the physical toll, and it's the, the depth development, right? I mean, it's all three of those factors. And then being able to make a play in a big moment uh, on the road in icky weather uh, and having that, that base of being able to run the football. Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hale Varsity City Radio, talking with Coach Kaz. Do it every Tuesday. We will dive in shortly with Coach Kaz. He'll hang on with this. That brand question we've got, the Super League discussion topic from The Athletic and from ESPN. You know, is Nebraska one of the halves still in college football? Kaz will weigh in. And um, I can't wait to hear what he has to say about just uh, what Nebraska is and where they belong. Recency, relevancy, and history. The topic du jour. More with Kaz next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Rick Kaczynski is with us. Hale Varsity Radio. Our chat with Kaz every Tuesday. Kaz, you get a chance to draft a, a Super League. I need your top 16 teams you're taking. ESPN.com, the college football folks have moved forward with this. Some name teams are on it. Some name teams are left off of it. Nebraska does not make the cut as of now with what ESPN is saying. Bama and Auburn and Clemson and Georgia and Florida and FSU and Notre Dame. and My sister could put that list together. Ready? So... <laughs> Is there is there room for uh, an, an argument for a Nebraska, Tennessee, a Michigan, an A and M from a brand standpoint and a historical standpoint? There's a lot of good history, a lot of eyeballs that watch them on TV, but they're working back up to be in the conversation. Like the, the last teams to make the cut here are a Texas or or a, or a Washington or an SC or an Oregon. Yeah, you look at the the last four where they've been they've had some flashes of success in in recent history. Right. They were playing for a few things in recent history. They have some dynamic players. You, you know, you talk about eyeballs. You know, the eyeball, they see through a little bit different lens than you and I see through. Mm-hmm. You know, we grew up where it was Notre Dame on TV, it was Nebraska mm-hmm. on TV, Texas, Oklahoma. Kids nowadays, it, it, the, the market in television is so saturated with college football everywhere. It, it's almost like a professional league. It's just I mean, what team's playing. Unfortunately, I think when you look at you know, modern football and kids these days and the generations coming up that, that follow football, the brands that they know are the Clemsons, the Georgia, you know, the Alabama, those type of things. So Nebraska, Tennessee, Michigan, you got to do something, right? You just can't. I, I don't think you can just, you know, remain a brand because of, of what you did. 
um, you know, in the nineties in the, in the early two thousands mm-hmm. or even slightly on the cusp of turning that hump when, when we were there with Bo, you know, at least people talked about us, uh, whether you liked us, whether you hate us, it's like Notre Dame, you know, you're relevant when, when you still bother people. And I think Notre Dame still bothers people. You know, coach Kelly's been able to bring them back to that relevant, you know, what I'll say to all that stuff, uh, you know, those first five, six, seven, eight teams, you know, I mean, you put those names in a hat. I mean, it, you can pick those things out easy. One, if I'm a Husker fan, I'm not worried about that. If I'm on the Husker staff, I'm a Husker player, you know, you got you got to walk the walk, right? It's year four. Nobody cares what you're doing in the off season anymore. Nobody cares about spring ball. You know, the practice is great. I mean, that that's great. Get fans back in the stadium, see some new players in their helmets and their in their shoulder pads. Hey, that's awesome. But you know what? You got to get it done. And I think when you start do, you start getting it done, and that's the great thing about a blue blood like a Michigan, like a Nebraska. Guess I'll throw Tennessee in there. It doesn't take long to get back in that mix. You might be outside the party right now. It's not going to take a whole lot for you to get invited back in. Where there are, there's teams that won't ever get invited to the party, right? They'll never get to the big dance. So they'll never get the pretty the date with the pretty girl. Where the great thing about Nebraska with their history, with their commitment to football, with their fan base, with that blue blood running through the, the veins of Nebraska, all you got to do, go have a good season. Doesn't have to even be great, and you'll get back. You'll get back through that door. Then, when you have a great season, you're you're, you're right back in the mix. And Schmitty, there's teams that could go 12 and 0, 11 and 1, 10 and 3. Hey, man, that's a great year. But they'll never have that status of those of those pro- programs. You know that list right now doesn't matter, but it does matter. You know, sacks don't mean a whole lot when you stink at them, but. If you're leading the conference in sacks, you're going to tell everybody it's going to be recruiting paraphernalia, right? <laughs> so it's all on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. That stuff, I look at those things as a coach, as a fan, as a former player. It's just entertainment. But what it does make you realize is, okay, it's time to start getting things done. Mm-hmm. And that's what Nebraska has to do. If they get it done, they walk the walk. I don't care about your numbers in the strength room. I don't care what you did. I don't care who looks good in spring ball. What have you done for me lately? What are you doing when you're lining up in September and October, and what are we playing for come November? Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Kaz, uh, a couple of teams that fluctuate or are on the periphery. I look at UCLA and SC and Oregon, three Pac-12 teams, and then you have Texas and Texas A&M. Now, Jimbo, I think they finished top five last year, and I know he made the move from Florida mm-hmm. State. Are you wild that, that a UCLA and, and an A&M haven't been more consistent because of where they're located with talent? UCLA, uh, you know, that's a tough job because, yeah, one, it's, it's California, right? Yeah. And, hey, you go out there, there's so much going on. And, and uh, it's, it's, hey, football's important. You know, there's a lot of great talent, you know, you know, 30, what, I can't remember, what is there, uh, over, is there over 30 million people there, I think? I mean, Probably. so there's a lot of talent, big base, you know, football's important in pockets, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a lot going on, right? And so, so you go out to you at UCLA and, you know, the stadium's here, the campus is there, you know, it takes the coaches an hour and a half in traffic to get to the football office. So even though football is important there, man, that's a it's a tough gig. UCLA has always been a tough gig, especially when you got a blue blood like USC not too far down the mm-hmm. street. I understand USC, and USC is a is a blue blood, and USC is never going to stay down stay down very long. 
But yeah, that that's kind of surprising to me that UCLA would would kind of you know be on that peripheral. A and M that does A and M. I I think part of their problem has been just like a lot of other programs is the turnover in the coaches. Uh, not only the head coaches, but you had head coaches that fire their coordinators. I think when I think when Sumlin was there, he had, he had several assistants, he had several coordinators, and it's not just the head coach; it's 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 the staff also. But I really like Jimbo. What I know about Jimbo and people who worked with him and, and coached with him, he likes big physical O line and D lines, and he likes pounding the football. And he's about fundamentals, man. So. And when you have that talent in your backyard, uh, and I think, you know, when you look at a place like Texas and you look at a place like, and I'm not saying right now with Sark, because I think Sark will turn that thing around, and I think they will get physical, but Texas hasn't been known as a physical team, uh, even when Mac Brown was there. Um, they've always been pretty. They've always had talent, but, you know, they, the knock, they never been a really, really physical team. At least that's been the perception of him uh a&m now he's built that thing from the inside out and if they get him a quarterback texas a&m they will be a top five in my opinion that's a top five job that's a top five consistent program consistent consistent it's a great stadium great fan base uh, Jerry Schmidt is the strength coach he's a Nebraska guy he was my strength coach at Notre Dame for three years in my opinion, one of the biggest downfalls of Notre Dame, allowing him to leave to go to Florida. Schmitty is the best in the business. Now that Doyle's out, Jerry Schmidt is the best in the business, bar none, bar none. So, uh, you know, they got a lot of things going for them. They got a ton going for them, and, you know, they got all that talent in their backyard. And I think you get a little bit different kid going there. A&M, you know, it just kind of has that blue-collar feel to them, but uh, big A&M fan, that's one team I really enjoy watching. They win ugly, but they win. doesn't matter. They just they figure out a way to get it done. But when I watch A&M, they look like a ball club that is in control of the game the entire time. You know, and when you're a football coach, you're a football player, and you have control in that game, man, you're going to be tough to beat. Gosh, it's, it's really tough to beat. You know, you got that you got that opponent playing on their heels. When you play on your heels, that's when you make mistakes, and that's how A&M plays. We'll wind down to Tuesday. More from Kaz as uh, we'll get his take on the U. It's Miami, one of those teams in the, uh, the top 15. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Final thoughts with Coach Kaczynski, our Tuesday sit-down with Kaz, and we're talking that college football Super League, and well, what do you think of the U? Kaz, about 30 seconds and probably not enough time, but what about Miami? What about the U? Nah, I can't. I'm a Notre Dame guy. <laughs> I can't. I tell you. They stink. I hate the U. <laughs> you, the coach stinks. You and the rest of Nebraska. I, I, I just, I, I don't think, like, here's my thing. With all, why isn't it coming back, right? I mean, you can look at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can look at the, the switch in the conference, which I think is extremely underplayed. Mm-hmm. That was critical, critical, critical. The changing of the conference. 
you know, three head coaches since since 2014, mm-hmm. right? The locate all the all the all the things that you got going against you. Know, and, and Nebraska still has a chance. Miami is in Miami still. Miami still has all those recruits there. They still have beaches. They still have palm trees. Why aren't you getting it done? Right? I can give you some excuses, some reasons, some things that happened to Nebraska over the years. There's absolutely no excuse for Miami. But I, there, to me, that's a, that's a clown show. I can't stand Miami. I, 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 don't, I don't like Miami. I don't, I don't like how they play. I don't like how they act. I don't like their uniforms. I don't like their head coach. So other than that, I'm a big Miami fan. But I can't see, Schmitty, and to answer your question uh, about them getting it done, I don't think they can get it done because why haven't they gotten it done already? The variables haven't changed for them as they had for other blue bloods across the country in the Midwest, you know, the Notre Dames with the academics, all those things. So my question is, why hasn't Miami gotten it done? And if they haven't gotten it done now, I don't see them getting it done for a long time. Rick Kaczynski. Kaz, we'll do this again, man. Awesome to get caught up. Thanks for your take on this stuff, man. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for having me on. You know, you ask a Notre Dame guy and a guy who spent time at Nebraska to give his oddest assessment of Miami and the passion comes out. That was, that was too good. So we had a, a fun time here on the college football super league. Andy Staples kind of kicked it off with the athletic yesterday and uh, we had some thoughts. So, you know, I think if you go off of Andy's criteria and his defensive, including Nebraska makes a lot of sense. From a recency standpoint, Nebraska's got some ground to make up, but the history outweighs the recency. And that's why they at least got included on his list. ESPN College Football Insiders at least discuss Nebraska, but they're in that that Tennessee vein. Uh, Real quick about uh, buckling up 70% of people and fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, seatbelts can and will reduce risk of fatal injury by 60%. Your best defense in any crash, buckling up, uh, is brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Dave, what's for dinner? Um... Let's see. Let's go some Mexican food. Okay. Some rice, burrito, maybe an enchilada. All right. Damon says enchilada Tuesday. Back tomorrow, Bill Bender's Sporting News will be with us. We'll check in with Babbers. Talk to you on Wednesday tomorrow with Hale Varsity. Check the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play for Hale Varsity Radio.